Hey gang, welcome to the Your Basket is Empty pod, a space where I sit down with agencies, brands, and original e-com thinkers to discuss their journey, practical advice, and how they're navigating the current digital landscape. Your Basket is Empty is also a bi-monthly industry newsletter that covers the most interesting e-com and direct consumer news, interviews with original e-com thinkers, a jobs board, an event listing section, and a playlist. Go check that out at yourbasketisempty.com. On episode 70, I chat with Piers Thorogood, co-founder of We Make Websites, who in 2021 got acquired by The Bourne Group. So this is a rather interesting and cathartic chat about that deal. So we talk about uh, why getting approached by an agency group in 2019 sparked the idea of an exit, how COVID derailed the exit plans, the key milestones of the Bourne deal, the initial conversations, due diligence, SPA negotiations, the advantages of having one person focusing on the deal, the importance of the business being able to run in parallel to the exit plan, the challenges of due diligence, specifically the difference in process between the target and the acquirer, the lessons learned of not taking corporate finance advice, the inherent risk of the deal falling through, and what he'd do differently if he did it all again. Enjoy the episode. Piers, welcome back to the pod. How are you and where are you? Uh, Very happy to be here. Yeah, um, I'm in Bath at home. Um, It's a lovely grey rainy day in Bath. Nice, nice. <laughs> but yeah, very happy to be chatting to you. Yeah, nice. So typically in these uh, episodes, we go back and we talk about the journey. I would highly encourage people to go back to the Basket is Empty archives, episode 24 from November 18, 2020, where you and Alex came on and we talked about the origin story of WeMake, which I thought was incredibly interesting. But today's conversation, which I think is just as interesting, is the business is sold to the Bourne Group and I'm curious to learn a little bit like now that the dust has settled like how that went the process how you're feeling all that kind of stuff so that's going to be the focus for today's conversation and I would like to start with if my memory serves me we sat down in about 2019 and sort of started thinking about this stuff seriously and I think it probably you know there was thoughts about this earlier with you and Alex but I'm curious maybe to talk about that, like when did the exit or some sort of exit event crop up in your mind? But take us back to 2019, maybe specifically, like what was it about that time period that you thought it was good for us to be thinking about it? What was the rationale for selling the business? And did you think at that time, which has played out, that we would see consolidation in the kind of Shopify space? Okay, lots of questions there. Um, so 2019, yeah, I think going back... We so going back slightly further, Alex and I didn't start this thing to have some big exit at some point. I think we grew a business almost by accident, sort of, we weren't even trying to grow an agency, uh, really, at the start. And then it got to a point where you have a big thing, you've spent your entire working life working on it, and 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 really, there's sort of an inherent risk of like having all of your net worth in one, one place. Um, so there, there was a, a, a bit of that probably, but the, the big thing that happened in 2019 was having, and this could have happened in 2018, but around that time, the first sort of serious approach for someone like, uh, I, I don't recall who it was even, but someone serious with a buying mandate said, Hey, look, you know, we're an agency group. We're interested in, um, the business you guys have um, built, let's have a chat. And 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 I think anyone, first time that happens, you want to explore it. Uh, and 
we we didn't it didn't really go anywhere but it was certainly interesting i think um i learned a lot um and it made alex and i think about what we what we might want to do and and that was when we first thought that hey you know what maybe we will exit this business um i don't think we ever wanted to put the pressure on us to say it's exit or nothing but that's certainly when we started um thinking about thinking about that and then off the back of that we thought well if that is something with thinking about we ought to speak to some experts about how this works speak to some other other people that have gone through gone through this um and and um really with the aim of understanding it a bit better so that we could make some decisions at that point in time that would stand us in better stead should we ever settle so yeah i remember speaking to a couple of kind of i don't know corporate finance advisors m&a type people um and um yeah it was really interesting conversations and i guess they're trying to sell you on their services to to a certain degree but um eventually we we kind of had enough conversations with with one of them that what they suggested was we did did that um what what they called an ascension day i don't know if that's their own terminology if that's a common thing but basically sit we gave them access to everything in our business they could looked at it from from the eyes of a potential um acquirer and and um and that's i think when we brought you into it and we you were involved in that that day that 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 there was quite eye-opening in one 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 respect in the sense that you know someone critically looking at your business is not super pleasant and you know they like to find out all the shit you don't really want to know but you should know um and um yeah, and then they gave us a sense of what a future could look like. You know, what you'd need to do to like get into a position to sell, and then and and um, what kind of you know multiples you'd expect for the business. What that might look like, you know, things like earnouts and stuff. We'd not really knew, didn't really know about and, and hadn't really um, considered before. So, yeah, that that was that was really interesting. And and you you were there that day, and we sort of um, that kicked kick-started a new sort of strategy for us to like get ourselves in better shape the business was good and we'd always had this great revenue growth and great sort of brand in the space but yeah i think a few of the fundamentals weren't there in terms of profitability and all that stuff yeah i've reckoned one of my observations from that day was we knew all of that stuff already and it was quite powerful to have an outsider come in and like reaffirm a lot of the stuff that we already had do you know what i mean like i i suppose yeah. i didn't walk away from that session with like holy shit we'd never thought about that before it was more like oh yeah that niggling thing that we probably thought was a thing we need to focus on is obviously something we we kind of need to focus on yeah yeah i think i think i think it there were definitely some things that i i had didn't realize would be quite so important so it's certainly things we were doing well like we didn't have any big client risk but yeah, that was something they really wanted to make sure we didn't, you know, they, they didn't, you know, acquirers definitely want to avoid businesses where you've just got one massive client and not much else. Um, and the, 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 I think, I think the, the other thing they did, that was really interrogate our leadership structure. And yep. um, I think we made some fairly sizable decisions or changes off the, off the back of that. It's hard to, hard to actually remember now, but I'm pretty sure we, sure we did. Um and we certainly bolstered our leadership team in the, in the subsequent year. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I've been talking with one of my other clients recently and they've been going through a similar type of uh, exercise and that was one of the key things that the M&A experts said to them was like get that core team locked down. You know, who are they? And, you know, ultimately they're going to be 
which is kind of what we make, right? It was like the engine room for the ability for us to be able to either get to the point of sale or and or give, you know, especially you and Alex, the time, energy, headspace to be able to do that, right? Because it's hard to run the business and have the engine room running. Um, I'm, I'm, let's fast forward a little bit. So that was like 2019. I was going to talk about COVID. I mean, COVID threw a bit of a spanner in the works, right? So that all just like... <laughs> yeah, well, it almost felt like we that was out of the window and let's not think about that until <laughs> this thing's over. Um, and yeah, it was... <laughs> that first bit of 2020 I think for you and me <laughs> uh, was pretty pretty stressful and uh, looking back there's almost in, in enjoyment in running what was incredible like a business in crisis suddenly and you were sort of doing all this scenario planning but yeah it wasn't wasn't pleasant at the time so no, yeah sort of selling and preparing the business to be you know super profitable or whatever just not not in my mind at all at that, that stage yeah, I distinctly remember us like having conversations of like, you know, are we going to make everyone, we have to fire everyone. Like, what does that actually look like? You know, it was crazy. Yeah. It was weird how quickly that like turned back to, oh shit, we're suddenly really busy. And then, you know, obviously we're in the, the washing machine of Yeah, it sort of seems obvious looking back, but it really wasn't. Yeah, it when, wasn't, when, right? When yeah. All your clients are saying, right, I've got to pause this project, <laughs> got to stop this retainer. Like, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty horrible. It was. But yeah, then it turned around, right? And then, and I think, that's then we had this sort of e-commerce boom that uh, we've all seen um, in the sort of latter half of 2020 and then and, and all of 2021 really um, and that's probably what then that's the next step I suppose because we were not thinking about this again but suddenly more so than ever we had people knocking at the door with you know serious offers um, and that's that's when we started having conversations again I guess so yeah, let's fast forward to then. So we're we're kind of currently in sort of the Q two twenty nineteen shit kind of hit the fan, but we're starting to over the course of sorry twenty twenty so over the course of that year things start to pick up. If memory serves me correctly, the conversation with Born kind of happened the latter part of that year, Q three or Q four. It sort of started getting serious. Am I right in saying that? Um, yeah, probably not. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the dates really. Um, I think I think didn't start getting serious till till the next year actually like um we had some informal chats um that that weren't even necessarily it was just about getting to know one another Mm -hmm. and then i think chemistry meeting yeah yeah like a chemistry meeting yeah like i think um and then i think it was early 2021 when we entered into hey look let's properly explore this and um get serious about it if if we want to um want to do it so uh yeah i think 2021 was like the right we've got to decide now whether we actually want to spend a huge amount of time on this which might not might not happen um when we're already super busy and um or whether we just walk away and you know stay stay independent and a lot of a lot of um it's maybe going back to your original question about things like did we see consolidation and all that sort of stuff coming like that's the only time when we started to think about that. Really, um, it just suddenly felt like M and A was everywhere in and, um, in the e-commerce space, and, and it felt like we don't want to miss miss the boat to a certain degree. There's there's certainly a bit of that, and you know we'd ridden, ridden this Shopify wave so well for the last ten plus years. Like 
you know, everyone saw what happened with the Magento space and those agencies and, and you know, like, is this the time for us? So there was certainly a, 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 a bit of that. Um, not that we felt that was going to happen anytime soon, but like, I don't know, certainly more than ever, it seemed like a lot of um, agencies were going to get um, join groups or, and, and, and if you remember, actually, the other thing we talked about was what, what's the, what's the alternative path? There's going to be big, big agencies entering the Shopify space um, and all the digital, digital consultancies suddenly being interested in it. If we don't do, if we don't join a group, like what do we do? Do we try and become enormous ourselves and buy up other other agencies? They, they just seem like an impending sort of threat to uh, mid-sized agencies in the space. Um, and uh, yeah, it felt it felt like if we wanted to continue our trajectory, you know, getting bigger and bigger clients on Shopify, we just had to do some something. And, 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 and one of those options and the one we went for was um, joining a group. Yeah. I, I think I remember we had discussions of like the romantic idea of us going and buying somebody else. Right. And then I think we all sat down around the table and like were realistic and said, none of us are M&A experts. We're going to have to either like get somebody in or, acquire that knowledge ourselves and i suppose between us we had like finance backgrounds a bit but like not to that degree right and i think that's what took that off the table a bit i think i liked the idea of it but it felt like that was just we're better off focusing on the business and making we make just a far more attractive acquisition target than becoming m&a people i think i think so too and i think i think yeah we'd have really struggled i think um or, or had to just buy bring someone in and, and do do that for us i think other agencies are more suited to that um and i've seen you know we've seen in the space some other agencies you know creating groups of their own or creating um you know buying up smaller agencies and expanding their service offering and, and i think good good on them but that's not that's not why that's not why i'm good at it. i don't think it's like alex or you you know it's not it was not no, our, we had yeah we i remember us saying we, we were like looked around the table and said have any of us done this before no why why have we also i don't think we've had any appetite to to take that on that challenge it's difficult enough you know that the the route we did take required a huge amount of effort in, in itself and that you know that that if that's my own experience of m a that's that's fine you know <laughs> <laughs> so um so, so 2009, uh, so early part of 2020, uh, well, 2019, we looked at some sort of like M&A experts came in. They give us a bit of like direction on how to do things. 2020 happens. COVID puts everything on the back burner. Then the back end of 2020, some initial conversations with Bourne start happening. Get serious in 2021. Just the sort of like, without going in anything too sensitive, but the, the sort of TLDR on how did the deal then ultimately close in October 2021 I think from from memory like the, the, the got serious due diligence process how long did that take you know we'll get into some more details of like what what that what that meant but like just talk me through the kind of key milestones uh yeah so I mean obviously I can't share too much about the deal because you know confidentiality and all that but yeah I can definitely talk through like what happened um and and yeah this will be familiar to plenty of people I'm sure but um so there's an initial engagement at sort of heads of terms or letter of engagement where you're basically setting out these are the important things that to both parties that we want to get out of the way up front. It's got the general shape of the deal um, and some headline terms that um, you, you want to get out of the way at that point because there's no point spending months and 
everyone's spending a load of money if you're going to fall out about something um, further down the line and, and kill the deal. So that was step one. And then, then you enter a period of exclusivity. So uh, we, I assume that is normal. But yeah, I think m- most of the time you have a certain period of exclusivity where you're basically, the, the reason you put a time pressure on it is to get both parties working towards getting the, the deal done. And I think, um, yeah, that, we the expectation at the time um, was that it'd be a few months. And yeah, it was probably a bit long certainly a bit longer than we than, than we initially expected but um yeah we had this timeline of right now now we've now we've signed this thing we just want to run it and for us that meant either alex or i become dedicated to this task um i don't know how we decided i think i volunteered <laughs> i think you were uh i think I you were served why. up as a volunteer from memory that, that was well, my memory of it I just thought I, I was quite. I was just really keen to learn about it. I suppose. Um, I think I'm more out of the two of us. I'm I'm the details guy, so yeah, I would agree with that. More, yep, more more, <laughs> more sense. I would agree with um, that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so I was yeah, like you say, offered up, um, and uh, yeah, then so the next stage after that initial sort of hashing out those first terms, which was not as trivial as you'd think. That was probably month or so of work in itself um the next stage was into due diligence really so that again we'd, we'd experienced the sort of mini version of that when we'd spoken to those advisors way back in 2019 you know looking under the covers of your business yep. but this was truly everything exposed uh you know every minutiae of every deal you've ever done looked at timesheets looked at all you know it was, it was all sorts and i think from speaking to other people it's not always uh, it, it it's, it's always painful but it's not the level of detail that people go into is really about the buyer and, and their sort of tolerance for risk and all that stuff so there, there are certainly people in the market that um do very light touch versions of those versions of that um I think um, for us, we're probably somewhere in the middle, but but it you know it was still pretty. Uh, if, if you speak to um, Jenny, our finance director, I think it was a particularly hard time for her, for her and I. Yes. Uh, I. I guess you know just trying to get all the information produced, and we were not you know as you know quite a scrappy agency. Uh, so uh, whilst I'd like to think we've got a lot a lot of data in order, like it's not as easy as that just to produce everything in a format that someone else wants and can read and take in yeah. and reconcile against everything else. And, um, and, and we had, we do, it turns out we do things sort of in an odd way sometimes, yeah. yeah, because, you know, we haven't followed a certain standard that, I mean, I don't think agencies have standards for a lot of these things. So <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> the way we, yeah, just little things, a good example would be how we, within our timesheets account for people going on holiday created a huge problem in due diligence for us because it was very hard for us to reconcile that back to, um, the finances of the, yep. of the, um, both the, what people got, uh, both sides of the finances. So what we we're spending and what we were um, taking in. And so, so just the, the, yeah, all that stuff, I think it was just painful. And, uh, it's also, there's an, there's a level of embarrassment about it, right? You, you, you're, always going to be being acquired by someone larger and more sophisticated from a um, 
process and sort of financials point of view and you and and yeah whilst we're yeah we built a great thing and, and we're really happy with the agency and um yeah, they're just looking through all your mistakes, you know, like contracts you signed seven years ago where you should have put a better term in place, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> the contract yeah. that we'd ripped off the internet that we were using, you know, like the, well, the, the you know, yeah. all, all, that, all that stuff ex- exists still in, in, in the business somewhere because yeah. right? yeah, you've got contracts with clients you've been working with for like seven, eight years. And, and uh, yeah, but I mean, it's quite funny to look back at, but yeah, it was, it was just a lot of effort. Um, so that took probably three months for us, which normally would take about a month, I think. Um, and then, and then after that, um, you're, you're into the sort of big negotiating stuff. So like the, the main document of a deal is the share purchase agreement. And, and that is an enormous, you know, hundreds of pages long sort of contract effectively. And it's, yep. um, spells out every tiny little bit of term or, um, you know, restriction um, that both parties have to adhere to. And, and there is more, way more than I imagined that c- could be negotiated in that. And and you end up, I think, negotiating over things looking back that neither party needed to. Um, um, but yeah, probably would, because you, you're negotiating around things that will likely never happen. Mm. So if after a few years, it's found out that our agency had done something fraudulent and it was uncovered, you know, the buyer is protected. Great. All that stuff's good. I mean, it's not as simple as that, but the the, the terms around that, I guess. Um, And we know that we've done nothing fraudulent. So why do I care what those terms are? But you still end up like, because you're being advised and correctly so, kind of negotiating over that stuff and making sure that it's, you know, you're protected um, as, as well, even though, you know, you've never, it will never happen because you've never, <laughs> you know, the business has done nothing fraudulent. Like, it, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a straight, a strange one for me. I think there's a lot of education around, you know, specific deal type terms and, and the kind of um, how, We'll come back to it in a minute, but we didn't. We had M and A legal advice, but we decided not to take on a corporate finance partner to help out mm-hmm. with this. Naive slash arrogant of me, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Both bit of both. <laughs> Thought I could do this, um, uh, and I think that maybe was a bad move. Uh, it's hard to hard to say. Um, but the 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 reason that that you would want that is because. The, the overall deal structure or the overall amount of money that you might get is quite variable based on some of the stuff that happens in that mm-hmm. process. You know, you've got a headline mm-hmm. figure and it's like based around due diligence of, right, is your revenue that number you gave us? Yes. Is your profitability that number you gave us? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's your multiple. But then you get into sort of discussions around how things are calculated. You know, how's your working capital calculated or, um, what um, what happens to the cash in the business? Yeah, because mm-hmm. that that acquirer might not want to buy the cash in the business, or you yep. might not want to take it out. Yeah, there's all yep. that sort of stuff. And yep. um, I think that would have really helped um, for the yeah to have more expertise. I think probably negotiating on our behalf. Um, I don't think we did badly out of it, but I, I just think yeah, that's where I felt the most out of my depth. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The, the, 
and you're probably going to ask about it in a minute, but the, re- the, the reason we didn't go down the, the route of having a corporate finance advisor or an M&A advisory team with, with us, sort of like a banking team effectively, is because the primary thing that they do is go to market to yep. sell you. Yep. And we didn't need that yep. because we had people knocking on our door and we were very yep. happy with the deal. So Yeah, we weren't being shopped around. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'll yeah. take back what I said about being arrogant. It wasn't really- <laughs> This is an incredibly uh, smart, strategic move. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's better. Yeah, I'm incredibly smart and strategic. (laughs) But definitely an observation I had over the period was, and maybe this is interesting advice for someone who's embarking on a similar journey, and you you touched on it there at the top of this kind of like sort of nitty-gritty detail of the deal, and that was the way in which an acquirer applies their logic and process to the acquiree is something to look out for. And I suppose there's a correlation with – and the Bourne Group's a good example, who are owned by Tech Mahindra, the bigger the company at the back end, the more stringent and corporate that process is going to be. And I certainly remember from memory, that that I think was challenging for us, right? Like we, we had a big process that was built for buying 150 million, 500 million pound companies. And, you know, we weren't at that size and, and we were trying to, you know, operate within that framework. And, and that was kind of challenging. And maybe if you had a slightly smaller acquirer, then the due diligence process would be slightly more in line and proportional to the type of business that they are, they're buying. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think so. And, and, and from, from their perspective, they've just got to protect their risk, their public company that have many more things they need to adhere to. And I think going into that, we just had no, like I said, never done it before. Don't know what we're doing to a certain degree. So our expectations were, were a bit out of line. Um, and you sort of just had to learn that over, over, over time. Um, but I think, yeah, if you were if you were working joining a smaller group or a smaller acquirer that you know wasn't public or didn't have those um, type of pressures, I think it could be a lot easier. And as I said right at the start, there's definitely acquirers out there that their whole mo is we will make this quick and painless. But the flip side of that is you probably won't get as much out of out of the deal. Um, yeah. so there's got to be a trade-off right there's got to be a trade-off yeah. somewhere yeah. And i know people have gone that route and been very happy and i think you know it's all about you, you've probably got a number in your head that you're you're happy with and if if that if that's great um and you're happy to go the more painless route i just think <laughs> for us you know it, it wasn't it wasn't really on the cards and and we had a certain type of acquiry in mind that was going to be a bigger agency group that could unlock deals for us because this wasn't just about an exit you know alex and i um, want to still grow we make so like a, a lot of the conversations were like what is in it for the agency and very specifically we'd been told by large businesses that like it went in the, you know you you were trying to sell to these large businesses you're too small to really for us to go with you um and i think even shopify themselves have said like um, we can't put certain deals in front of small agencies because these these clients just won't accept that they they want the security of working for someone big. So there was definitely a big driver there for us to be like, if we get if we get part of Born Group, we'll unlock deals for us, yep. and um, and that's proved to be true um, thus far. So yeah, that that I think is uh, um, was why we didn't want to go with any of these sort of slightly less pain painful sort of sales routes 
So I want to tie off the, this has been super interesting, like the sort of charting the course of the deal. So due diligence process happened, deal done, and then into the next phase, I suppose, you know, again, TLDR, like how did the trying to transition work from your perspective and general thoughts? Like my observation was, the, the, and I suppose this is reflective of any deal, right? But we're, we're talking about the born and we make um, transactions specifically. But the idea that, you know, either culturally people are kind of like engulfed into the bigger agency or organization is one thing. But in our case, they were quite clear that they were going to let us just get on with our thing. And from my observation, that's that's like been quite true, right? And that's, they've, they've held up their end of the bargain. Yeah, that, that absolutely. And that's, that's what we wanted. And I think, yeah, that, I don't think that is unique to them. Like uh, other people seem have, have, have got that set up as well. I, but I think that was very important to Alex and I, that we still felt we had um, uh, control or agency um, to, to, to run we make as, as, as we wanted. Now, as time goes on, obviously that will change. We're not, we're not, naive to that fact but um yeah i think the the idea and, and the setup that born have is that you do have these um you know business units that are you know separate separate brand and able to um operate autonomously to a certain degree but then also have the ability to to go in as a sort of born group deal or, or um or a tech M deal, even even and and be a single unit under that one brand. So we're still working out how we best do that because it's it's kind of like you know we're we're the, we're we're new to all, all this world and you know life was a bit easy, simpler when when it was just just we make and and we you're out on your own. But um, yeah, I think I think that that sort of um, that that part or keep keeping us as the sort of people that run the business was very important to us. And, and, uh, yeah, thankfully that's been, uh, working out well, you know? So, um, yeah, everyone, everyone seems, seems happy with that setup. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think, I think for a lot of people that's not super important, but it was, was for us. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know why. And it was simply because maybe we weren't looking to sell necessarily at that time. Um, we still feel like we've got a lot in us for this. Um, yeah yeah well i think a lot of it is about and i mean we we could talk about this for fucking hours but like it's gets back to maybe the motivations of what the reason to selling is right like i think there's probably a few different modes one people are like desperate to get out and that's not a great position to be selling a business because you know you're going to be in a relatively uh, difficult negotiating position <laughs> but we're in, in our case it was it was probably the other foot we were in a good position, didn't need to sell. There were, you know, there was a number of options, not just necessarily other uh, people, but like just continuing on and the Shopify space was growing and, and so forth. So I think it probably has a lot to do with that. But I'm curious about a slightly more philosophical question. And that is like, looking back, do you think we sold at the right time or how much of it do you think was luck versus strategy? And how does that kind of play into all of this? Like, how do you think about that now, now that the deal's done, you know, and with the sort of high, you know, benefit of hindsight, what, what do you think about that? Uh, I try not to think about it is my answer because I don't think it's, use, I don't think it's healthy for me to think about, but I, I think I'm happy that we did what we did at the time we, we did it. I think, um, Time will tell whether that was the smartest sort of financial decision or not. Um, who knows? But I think, you know, look, I've, I, I've 
exceeded my expectations with what I ever thought we make websites would become. So happy and happy with that. Um, I think the fact that so many other agencies got sort of consolidated around the same time also shouldn't matter, but it does matter to me because it gives me sort of the feeling that, yeah, this was, uh, the right time to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously, uh, uh, Foster, I think, um, another agency that, you know, often came up against, they, they, they joined uh, a group almost like the next day or something. It was weirdly Very soon after. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> weirdly soon um, after. so, and, and then you've seen a lot of it in the States, you know, all the big shop agencies have been, um, uh, sort of either rolled up or joined groups and things. So I think, I think, yeah, all of that was because of the, the, the sort of observations I made about the, the market earlier, like, you know, the threat of large agency groups, everyone wanted to play in the space. Suddenly Shopify was the hot thing um, and still is um, really. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know whether, whether we did or not, but I think it's just not, it's not healthy I, to I, I think, think about it. I think it is like, that, that, well, look, I think it, it, it's hard to predict luck, right? And I think luck is, is easier to uh, digest in the rearview mirror, but it would seem to me that if the deal had been pushed out by a year, even six months, it would have been a bit dicey, as in whether the transaction would complete and or the valuation would have been totally different, right? So like the back end of last year into this year, I wouldn't want to be selling an agency during that period. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I'm very bullish still on Shopify, and I think... In, in in the last couple of was well, in the last year, I feel like they're executing on their product better than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly, like so, so, even though yeah, we've had this huge peak of ecom and then it's dropped back down to kind of where it was growing. Like I just still still think there's huge amounts of growth to be had there. So if if I if it hadn't happened, I don't think I'd be feeling like particularly down about it. I think I'd be thinking, look, yeah, it's delayed it a, a bit, but we're still going to be running this thing. Um, and, um, yeah, it just gives you an opportunity to grow more before you, um, before you exit. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, obviously we got lucky in that timing of being in the, in the boom, but I, I don't think it would have been the end of the world had it not happened because you could have easily got, you know, much bigger and had bigger exit or whatever further down the line. Yeah, I think also, and we talked about it, right? Because I think we we always had a, a foot based in, well, not that the deal wasn't reality, but until things sign, right? It is kind of, who knows, right? Like things yeah, can fall apart at any point. Like you, Laura and Alex, not getting involved in the deal was so that we could keep running the agency well, right? <laughs> like, yeah. because... Yeah, any moment in time, it can all fall apart, and it's—I uh, don't know. Yeah, you, 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 I, I think if you were a so, if you didn't have the, the if you didn't have the team you we had, or if you were a solo founder, maybe I think you'd really struggle, and it it could be hugely damaging to your business. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure people noticed my absence a bit in that year, um, but I think the agency still performed really well that year. I mean, I'm not sure what that says about my. <laughs> the need for me to be involved um, but uh, but but yeah I think yeah that 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 is a risk of all these deals like you get 
you, it can fall apart anytime. So you've got to const, you've still got to be running that business as if you're not going to sell it. Yeah. Like just, and I think about the big learning for me for the whole thing, you know, going back to 2019 all through that process is all you've got to think about is running a great business and one day you might sell it or you might not. But if you don't, doesn't, doesn't necessarily matter. You can exit in some other meaningful way if you want, you know, install a management team and, um, yeah, if, it, if, it, if you don't want to be actively involved, there's lots of other options. Um, and, I, and I think I, during the process of that sale, I like actively worked on thinking that way because I didn't want to, it to fall apart and then suddenly spiral into some you know depression about it. Um, I think you've got to go into it ex- expecting, right, maybe this is a 50-50 thing. Yeah. If not, no worries. Yeah, and I also think that there's another kind of key component to – a great advantage of the deal process is the business kind of gets into fighting shape. So in some ways it's like a good exercise that you do to the business. You know, remember how much stuff we, you know, like we uncovered a lot of stuff. Now, I don't know if we made loads of changes, but I think on the back of ultimately the due diligence, we could have said, well, there's a, there's a business plan for the next two years. If, if the deal didn't go ahead, right. You, you figure out what bits are going to be valuable, where we've got strengths, where we've got weaknesses, et cetera. So I think that process in itself, albeit painful, is super interesting because it puts you in fighting shape for the future, whatever that future might be. Yeah, it doesn't, the whole thing is very useful, yeah. And I, th- I think um, even if you're not going through the process, just think if, if it's on your sort of radar or something you want to do, start having conversations with people that have done it or mm-hmm. you know, or and a advisors or whatever to, to start making those changes because – it's such a useful exercise to get your business in in shape irrespective of whether you go through the actual deal finally or not. Final question. Would you have done anything differently? Um, I I touched on it earlier. I think the, 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 the having a wider, well, having an advisory team um, on the sort of, financial side of the, you know, like an M&A team, I think you'd call them or a corporate finance team probably would have helped. And it has certainly helped my workload. Um, so, so yeah, I'm still torn about whether that was the right thing, you know, all worked out. It's fine. I learned a lot. Um, I think you, you, what you're talking about is whether you'd have ended up spending something load on something you don't need or or potentially it's more just like those highlights i mean you've you've highlighted a bunch of them already but it was like yeah i suppose that the m&a kind of like experts is maybe one but like would you have over indexed on something further back you know like uh getting someone like a jenny an incredibly experienced finance person involved in the business earlier was that you know would that have been a key you know difference or made a key difference something along those sort of lines you know yeah, I think just yeah, going back further into the business, I think um, having Jenny IFD uh, uh, involved has been fairly transformational to the business. And, and as you know, we were super late getting like a finance function installed in the business because Alex sort of Alex and I did it all. So I think that would get a business in shape much quicker anyway. And having. Yeah, you know, a lot of businesses start and they've got a plan to exit, and and it, yeah, everything can just be much more step by step and more plan. You know, the way we started our business isn't, it, it isn't really conducive to plan, you know, an exit. We we started because we like making websites, so we just did it together. And um, so I think I think 
This is not a regret, but I think if anyone was want if anyone wanted to work towards an exit, yeah, getting all that stuff in place earlier and being much more financially um savvy with how you run the thing, knowing you know what you what what an EBITDA for a agency should look like that's good for your for your particular sector, um, knowing what kind of revenue for head paired should look like, what a good structure is, what other things an acquirer looks for around um, you know, client risk, um, organizational structure, positioning, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, we sort of knew it enough, but like I think uh yeah if if you were if you were on this path you you, you could accelerate that uh, a lot more than we we chose to yeah yeah, yeah i right definitely that. i definitely think that that's true and then i think yeah also the kind of key people you know across the board there were so many key people i mean i won't name all of them but laura karen jenny the rest of the leadership team and you know like i think that was kind of like key having those core people in there um i think this is a great way to end the podcast pierce thank you so much for joining me pleasure It's been fun. Thanks for having me on. There you go, folks. Thanks so much for joining me. If you liked the episode, please leave a review, subscribe, download, and tell all of your mates to do the same. I'll see you next time.